Hello and welcome to another episode of The Good Vanilla, a Barefoot Contessa podcast where the chicken stock is homemade, store-bought is just fine, and the vanilla is always good. I am your host, Nick Kachanov, and since this is the last episode before Mother's Day, I thought what better way to celebrate than with a baby shower-themed episode of The Good Vanilla, but more specifically, The Barefoot Contessa. I don't have any, I'm trying to think of any sort of news in my life or Ina's life that we have to share, but nothing is coming to me. Maybe next week I will have something to report, but for now, let's get into it. This is season 10, episode 8, and again, this episode is called Baby Shower. So Ina starts out in the kitchen, and she says, Sinead Quinlan works with me, and she's having a baby. Sinead thinks she's coming for dinner tonight, but her friends and I are surprising her with a baby shower. Her friends are doing some of the decorations, and guess who's cooking? I'm making a Greek gazpacho with olives and big bites of feta, followed by huge platters with a roasted salmon nissoise salad. And for dessert, and the favors, glassine bags tied up with pecan shortbread cookies. So let's unpack that a little bit here. (laughs) First of all, I love how she says that opening line, and she's having a baby. I think that that is her equivalent of saying, like, and she's having a baby, you know, like, the excitement of Ina and like her sort of cadence of speaking, it just kind of crescendos to the end and she's having a baby. Um, It kind of reminds me of like Samantha Jones from like Sex in the City a little bit. Um, But yes, I, I love that. I also love how there's like a slight hint of annoyance when she's like, they're bringing the decorations and guess who's cooking? It's like, of course you're going to be cooking, Anna. But it's like, I think she was trying to go with like a little sarcasm, but it came off as like, <laughs> she was just like, I guess I'm cooking again for all these women. It just made me chuckle a little bit. Um, and everything on this menu sounds good. I've never had gazpacho, which is actually the first thing that she makes. So I guess we should get into that. Um, Ina assures us this is gazpacho with the volume turned up. There's like a thousand things that go into this, so it's not really the most exciting thing to talk about, but I'll try to, you know, give it some pizzazz here. So she is chopping up, everything that she is chopping goes into the food processor, and the first thing she is chopping is a crusty bread of some sort. I don't know, it kind of looks like a baguette. Um, And so she throws that into the food processor, followed by a few cloves of garlic and some fresh oregano. She measures out two tablespoons of oregano, and I feel typically Ina warns us about how powerful fresh oregano is, because I don't think she uses it that often, but she didn't say anything. But I guess, like, in this soup, um, it kind of is just, like, there's so many, uh, like, layers of spices and other things that it's not, it doesn't overpower anything. Uh, But in addition to that, she adds two tablespoons of parsley, And then she sort of blitzes that up and then adds five tablespoons of olive oil and red wine vinegar to the mix and purees it all together. She pours it into like this big bowl that she eventually puts everything in and it it looks like cat vomit. I know it doesn't taste like it, but like if you were like watching this episode along with me, it's cat vomit. But, uh, you know, it's fine. It's going to turn into a beautiful gazpacho. So, you know, we're fine with it for now. 
And next, she starts chopping up a red bell pepper and then does a yellow pepper. Again, this is not exciting. I'm like, I'm listening to myself read this. <laughs> I'm just like reading out of the phone book at this point. Um, but she adds that to the food processor and blitzes it. Uh, she says just enough to be coarse, not baby food. Uh, then she adds that to the bowl. And then she chops up two red onions and puts that into the food processor. She says, it's going to make me cry. I hope it doesn't because I feel like if you're putting in the food processor, that takes away, you know, the process or the risk of, you know, crying. I've heard so many, I've tried a couple things, like we have a pair of goggles that I sometimes put on. I think I got them for Keon for his bike rides, like when he used to bike to work, and now we use it like to chop up onions, which is pretty, I mean, that's a pretty good, that's probably our best um, sort of solution to chopping onions. But I've also heard something about... Um, I feel like there's something about like putting, I don't know if you put the, the, the whole onion in ice water or something. I might've made that up just now. Who knows? But, um, one thing I did use with pretty good success, at least the first time was, I guess when you're chopping onions, they are looking for some sort of like moisture. So if you can put, um, what I did was just two paper towels, like sort of like not balled up, but you put it under the tap for like a second and then squeeze out most of the water and then just lay it. I did two of them on either side of the onion. So like the, I guess the fumes, I don't know if that's the correct term, sort of go into the, uh, the paper towels, I guess, as opposed to your eyes. That's why it goes to your eyes because that's another source of moisture for the, I don't know, I almost call them gases, but I, I feel like I'm just, I don't know what they're called. But that actually works. So I tried it again a second time and it didn't work as well so maybe I'm lying to everyone but um I think it just depends honestly if you have like an onion that's been you know sort of like on your counter for a while if it's a juicy onion is what I call them um you're in trouble you might as well just like pack it up because even when you cook it the fumes are still intense so if anyone has any suggestions maybe I'll make a a Facebook post when I release this episode about uh, tips and tricks for onions. What are your best sort of alternatives for preventing tears? Let me know. Anyway, where was I here? Uh, okay, so next she adds a seedless cucumber. She says, it says it's seedless, but it's not entirely seedless. Hmm. <laughs> she doesn't say hmm, but I just feel like I have to say that every once in a while. Um, but she like sort of like reads this cucumber. I'm like, the cucumber can't help it. So she does, and I guess like the seeds that are in the cucumber, she sort of scoops out with a spoon, but I would just, I mean, I do agree, like, obviously, yeah, there are going to be, it's like a seedless watermelon. There's still going to be seeds in the watermelon. Like, it's never going to be 100% seedless, I suppose. And I do, I mean, the, I mean, we'll call them, like, there's, like, the good cucumbers, which is are the ones that Ina uses, which I think are the English cucumbers, um, which we buy every once in a while. But I do know what she's talking about with, like, the whole, like, the cucumbers that are, like, a little bit thicker. The seeds can be a lot, but I don't know why she's uh, acting upset about this, <laughs> these cucumbers that are not entirely seedless, but fine. Uh, she adds the cucumbers to the food processor again and then puts them in the bowl. And next she does some tomatoes and then uh, what is next? Kalamata olives pitted Kalamata olives, um, three quarters of a cup. She put, puts that in the food processor. I don't know if I've talked about olives before on the podcast. 
Um, I did not like olives at all for like most of my adult life. I'd say probably in the last, I don't know, since I've been with Keon for sure, but I, I'd say maybe in the past like four years, three years, I can't really remember, maybe longer than that is where I, I really honestly, I think the ones that really made me a convert were the, um, I think they're the Castelvetrano olives. They're like the bright green olives and they are so good. They're like buttery and delicious. Maybe buttery isn't the best word to use, but they're so like velvety and I could not get enough of them. I love them so much. And now I like both kinds. Like it really was kind of, I do feel that you can sort of, if you have enough resolve, you can force yourself to like things that you don't like. Not all the time. Like I still have a complicated relationship with mushrooms and what else? Blue cheese is an, it's a no-go as we all know. I just can't do it. I've not. I've, I've tried so many of them, and I'm I'm not into it. But mushrooms are kind of in between. But I am on board with olives. I love them so much. And Kalamata olives are great. I pretty much will eat any kind of olive you put in front of me, unless it's stuffed with blue cheese. I could probably do it if I had to, but I know like olives are stuffed with like everything nowadays. I do love a good like olive bar. Ooh yeah, at like Whole Foods or sort of like a specialty food store. That's the stuff. Um, so olives, where are we now? So she adds some salt and pepper. And then the last ingredient is um, just adding a 46-ounce can of tomato, ju uh, tomato juice, of good tomato juice, excuse me, uh, to all of the, the sort of chopped ingredients that I, you know, the laundry list that I just listed off. And then she gives it a big stir. And she says, and later when I add the feta, it's going to be even better. And I feel like there was a there was a feta pun in there that you missed, Dinah. I feel like you could have said, like, I don't know, when I add the feta, it's going to be better. Or something like, uh, you feta believe it. Or like, <laughs> I don't know. I, I feel like there were some, if she wanted to do something cheeky, she could have. That's a missed opportunity for you, Ina. Um, Where are we now? After the break is when she starts making the, the pecan shortbread. I think that... Did I say pecan or pecan before? I think I just toggle back and forth at this point. So whatever. Uh, she adds a pound. She starts with a pound and a half of butter, which is four, wait, four, four sticks is a pound. So six sticks of butter. That's crazy. But she does say it's going to make a lot of cookies. I feel like anytime she uses like a lot of sugar or butter for like a sheet cake, she just says it's going to make a lot of cake or a lot of brownies. Um, I'm fine with it. I mean, honestly, anything that starts with this much butter is uh, a win in my book. And I, if you don't know that shortbread is like 95% butter by now, then I can't help you. I do I do love shortbread. I, I think it's like an underrated cookie because there's really not, not a lot to it um, besides you know, like butter, sugar, and flour, and some vanilla, and in this case, some almond extract as well. But... Ugh, there's nothing better than like a good shortbread cookie with like a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. You get a little like dunk in there, some dunking action. I just love it. Um, if, if there's any sort of like shortbread anything, I'm always like on board with it. So with this, I kind of just spelled out all the ingredients. But uh, in addition to those six sticks of butter, she adds two cups of sugar, some good vanilla, and then some almond extract. And she says, make sure you use the real thing. This is not the time for artificial anything. It's never the time for artificial anything. 
And I didn't even know that there, I guess, I mean, if there's pure almond, or excuse me, if there's pure vanilla or like really, really good quality vanilla, then of course there's probably really, really good quality almond extract as well too. Um, I probably would leave out the almond extract. I don't know why. I don't know. I, I do like it. Like I do love a good like almond cake, like a store-bought cake with um, almond cake and almond like flavored frosting. I just feel like there's a fine line between like too much with almond extract that, um, you know, with vanilla, you can like add it to the cows come home within reason, I guess. But almond, I feel like sometimes there's like, if you're past the point of no return, then it just tastes like fake almond. But this is all to say, um, I don't know where I was going with it. <laughs> it's never time for artificial anything. And next she adds seven cups of flour that she, of course, sifts. Um, and then she has the mixer on like the lowest speed that it can be and still be moving, which is like that that same description, like accurately describes my level of movement every day, <laughs> like on the lowest speed that it can be and still be moving. That's like how I run. Um, <laughs> and she's because that, that could be a mess. I mean, there's so much uh, cookie dough in this and it really does it's close because she keeps adding stuff. She adds three cups of pecans, which uh, which come chopped, but she chops it up a little bit more. And then she literally says to the camera, she's like, I have no idea if this is going to fit, which is very like Julia Child to me. I remember watching one episode of Julia Child, um, and I don't know like what she was making, but she was making this like soup or stock or something like that. And she had like these two like chickens that she put in. She might have been making chicken stock. And she literally could not fit the onions or whatever the last thing was. So she had to like leave it out or like wait until it cooked down. It was really funny because back then it's like, and it's not that they didn't edit the show, but like you, ha there wasn't really anything that she could have done. So she just like left it out and, you know, did a Julia Child sort of like, whoo. Um, but she, Ina does fit it. She fits all of it. Um, I would eat all of this cookie dough. I mean, I know it's just like butter, sugar, pecans, and some vanilla and almond extract, but oh, I just love, I love sugar cookie dough too. It's like, this is like, I feel very similar to sugar, sugar cookie dough anyway. Um, she takes it all out of the mixer and flattens it out into two discs and then wraps it in plastic wrap. Side note, have we talked about Ina's plastic wrap dispenser? I can't remember if we did. It, it, I think it's pretty much the same thing that she's used in later seasons as well, too. But it's it's like this industrial sized, like it's like what every kitchen should have because there's nothing more frustrating. I feel like there are like I skimp on like a lot of things in life as far as like buying like, you know, I'm not going to. I feel like maybe foil falls under this category, too, because there's there's a there is a big difference between like. Dollar Tree foil and then like Reynolds wrap foil and if you disagree with me get out um because when I use like the Reynolds wrap foil I was like whoa because we buy the cheap stuff and we also buy the cheap plastic wrap too but in some ways I feel like we should invest in like the good plastic wrap I guess um because it sticks better number one um but anyway I, I'm, I'm just like vamping here anyway Ina's plastic wrap dispenser is, it's like this thing, it's like this huge tube, and then she pulls it out, and nowadays she has this little, like, 
it's almost like a little slider that just like slides across the top and just cuts it like perfectly. But in this episode, I think she used like, I don't know, it was like a switchblade or something or like a, a scissors or something like that. I don't know what it was or a knife. Um, but in other episodes, it's really cool. I kind of want one. Uh, and I'm sure they probably have something that's like, like I said, hers is like a huge roll, but they probably sell like littler ones for, you know, regular kitchens. Uh, what's next? She's decorating the table and it's a train theme. I don't know why. I guess like Ina's excuse, not excuse, but the way Ina explains it is a friend of hers let her borrow, borrow this electric train set and she decided to just like run with it, I guess. I mean, it wouldn't be my first choice of like train baby shower. I don't know. It, it really doesn't matter because it is cute. It ends up being really cute. She tells us that she's going to have it run around the table and she fills it with candy, and she pours uh, pink and white M&Ms in, like, each car, like, each train car, and and then she, like, once she does it, she's like, it's the Candy Express, and then she, like, kind of smirks and walks over to the wall to plug it in, and she says, she's like, well, I have to make sure the train works, and it does. She gets really excited, and it's cute. It ends up being, I felt like when she was first explaining this, that the train would just, like, be all over the place, but I guess... I don't know why I, I'm like I'm thinking way too much about the train and how it could be like potentially a mess I know I would like knock it over as I'm reaching for like a glass of wine or something but it all works out in the end um so next she goes back to the kitchen and she grabs the pecan shortbread from the fridge and she slaps some flour on the table and then rolls it out and she says depending on how thick you roll them it makes about 75 to 100 cookies <laughs> Which I don't understand because there's only like 10, maybe 12 max people here. I don't know. I guess that makes sense because she gives them each like four cookies each in the little like packs. But uh, regardless, she bakes them at 350 for 20 to 25 minutes until they are golden brown and delicious. Uh, So next she actually packs them up and it's just funny I I just said it but like she only puts four cookies in each bag if I if I made that many cookies I would give them each like 10 cookies like I but maybe again I'm doing math that really doesn't matter because (laughs) none of this matters I'm just like uh, genuinely curious as to how many cookies she actually made and why she's giving only giving everyone four cookies, but she puts them up, uh, she packs them up rather in these glassine bags. I've never heard the word glassine until I started watching the Barefoot Contessa, but I guess they're just like these, they're almost like tube bags. Um, Maybe there's something that I should know about, but I've never heard about it until I've seen this episode. And I feel like she's mentioned it in other episodes as well. All right, well, let's move on to the salmon niçoise salad. So I looked up what niçoise actually is, and it is a salad that originated in the French city of Nice, and it is traditionally made up of tomatoes, hard-boiled eggs, uh, niçoise olives, and anchovies or tuna dressed with olive oil, which is very similar to what she actually ends up uh, making. But I guess instead of anchovies or tuna, she decided to put salmon in it. This whole platter, I guess salad, if you want to call it that, I would just die if someone put this in front of me it's so beautiful and it looks so good um so she starts out by making a marinade for the salmon um which is the zest of four lemons some olive oil some dijon mustard and four cloves of garlic and then she sort of just spreads it onto the salmon and lets it sit for 15 minutes while she boils some 
Yukon gold potatoes. And while the potatoes are cooking, she also blanches some uh, haricot vert, which is which translates. I mean, she calls it haricot vert, but it's basically green beans in French. You don't even want to know how I spelled that in my notes. It, I tried my best, and then I looked up how it actually was spelled. I think I spelled it like A-R-R-I-C-O-V-E-R-T, but it's actually spelled H-A-R-I-C-O-T-S, and then V-E-R-T-S. <laughs> I don't know why I had to do that for you all, but um, but I did, and uh, you're welcome. <laughs> So uh, she blanches some ericovera or green beans. We'll just call them green beans. Who am I kidding here? I'm trying to be all bougie. Um, I actually have been really into blanching lately. Um, Kian and I, we try to cook a good amount of veggies like on Sunday just to have for like the week. We usually do like Brussels sprouts and asparagus and uh, broccoli and then sometimes like some onions and peppers as well too. And we just kind of use that for the week. But Specifically with the asparagus, I found that um, I, it, they weren't, they're good roasted, but I can never find that like really happy medium of not roasting them too much where they just become like mushy shoestrings, you know what I mean? Um, but I find that blanching them was like the perfect like sort of middle ground. And I feel like it is healthier because you're just like putting it in water as opposed to like dousing it with olive oil and salt and stuff. So blanching is cool. The one thing I don't do that Ina does in this episode too, so that I I kind of skip the last step. I never really put, I never really set my asparagus like in a bowl of ice water. It's fine. I just let it like, you know, just cool naturally. I guess you could it, like because it sets the color and crisp uh, like crisps it up a little bit. So, I mean, I guess that's optional. But with the green beans, I I could I could see why she would do that because they I like a good snap on my green beans. Um, and next she puts the salmon in the oven, 500 degrees for 12 to 15 minutes. That's so quick. Gosh, fish is so easy to cook. Um, so she drains the potatoes, (laughs) she drains the potatoes and they like crash into the colander. It's like she drained them from like five feet above the sink. Like I'm surprised (laughs) this didn't like disintegrate into a thousand pieces. It made me laugh. Um, and then she shares her foolproof hard boiled egg uh, I guess if you want to call it a recipe. Um, so she says, put the eggs in the water, bring the water to a boil, turn off the heat, leave the eggs sit for five minutes, then take them out and cool them at, uh, to room temperature or not room temperature, take them out to cool them for two minutes and then peel them. So I'm assuming the egg would kind of be a little bit warm even. That's interesting to me. I, this is going to sound so like, I don't know what's the word here. Um, Stupid, I guess. Um, When I'm boiling anything, I never know what like, because there's like a rolling boil and then they're like, I mean, that's pretty, there's a rolling boil and then like boil means boil. I know what that means, obviously, but sometimes I, I like psych myself out like because it looks like it's boiling like there there are bubbles, but should it be like a harder boil or like should it be a little bit more violent? I don't know. So that's that's always where I sort of not mess up hard-boiled eggs. My hard-boiled eggs are always fine, but, like, the way that Ina makes them, like, it, they just seem so fudgy and delicious. Like, I, I don't... There's that, like, green... 
like sort of ring of death around the yolk that's fine but like it doesn't look appetizing um i've never really mastered the hard-boiled egg nor i mean i shouldn't be so hard on myself because i don't really make them too often but i'm intrigued maybe i'll just start making a couple hard-boiled eggs each week and you know perfect the art um so Ina says, now comes for the fun part, assembling the salmon soise platter. <laughs> Put that on a tote bag. Um, she refrigerates the salmon and sort of flakes it onto the platter. And she cuts the potatoes up into like discs as well. I'm assuming they're probably room temp. Um, I just love ev that everything's sort of room temp. I guess mine is the salmon, but it eventually probably would come to room temperature. Um, she cuts up some tomatoes into sixths. And then puts the vert out, a.k.a. the green beans. And then she um, lays the eggs out. <laughs> she lays the eggs. Um, but again, they're just so golden and fudgy. And I just, I would eat. Oh my gosh. I can really put, put away some like, um, what's the, why am I having, I'm like drawing a blank right now. The deviled eggs. I don't know why it took me so long to remember that. Um, but I really can like house some deviled eggs. I should probably, like, enter a contest. I'm sure they have it. Anyway, back to the platter. Uh, then she puts a bunch of watercress onto the platter, just for a little bit of greenery, I suppose, and then tops it off with some green olives and a few anchovies. So I just had a thought. I guess I, I Googled this so I can read the results too, but I was thinking pregnant women shouldn't have seafood, but then I Googled it, and it said... There's there's a list of best best fish to eat during pregnancy, and it says popular types like catfish, clams, cod, crab, pollock, salmon, and there's a whole list. And canned tuna are not only safe fish but healthy fish to eat during pregnancy. But then there's like on the Google same Google page, it says people also ask, can you eat salmon in preg pregnancy? And it says fish is a highly nutritious food, providing omega three fats, iodine, and selenium. White fish can be eaten at any time, but during a pregnancy, it's best to limit oily fish like sardines, mackerel, and salmon to no more than twice a week. So, I mean, I guess in general, like, don't eat salmon every day, but I guess they could have it because it's really funny. Like, <laughs> if she served this, like, salmon nassoise and, like, the guest of honor couldn't even eat it. Um, so there's that. Those are just my thoughts. Um, but these platters look incredible, and I'm... I wish I had it right now. She whips up a, a vinaigrette, which is uh, champagne vinegar, Dijon, sam <laughs> salmon, salt and pepper, and then half cup of olive oil. And then she pours that over the potatoes and just like a little drizzle like everywhere else, but mostly the potatoes. And as she's pouring it over those potatoes, the women start to arrive. And it's time for the baby shower. <sighs> so a little side note about baby showers. So I... I think it was like at the very beginning of 2020, I signed up for a stand-up comedy like six-week course because I've always wanted to try it. And we, you know, sort of developed like our, our five minutes of material. And then at the very end, we did like a like a night. Everyone got to go up and do their five minutes and like you invite your friends and family. And it was a, it was a blast. I had a great time. But one of the bits that I did was about baby showers, like as a gay man, but just like also as a human, they're terrible. And like it never was... I guess like kosher to to like invite men to baby showers or even wedding showers but like nowadays like a lot of uh like my close friends like most of my friends 
have gotten married and like had their baby showers by now but like it (laughs) like sucks so bad like I was kind of excited the first baby shower I went to and then I soon found out that they're they're just terrible and you just sit there and you watch people open gifts and like there's for the most part there's no alcohol because it's a baby shower like if I was pregnant I would want everyone else to be drunk at that baby shower because they're just terrible and I I guess you have to be you have to be appreciative of all the stuff that they bought. Like it is, it's nice to watch, you know, the person open up what you got them. But at the same time, they, they can check the registry. It's the same thing for weddings. It's like, they know that someone bought this. So yeah, they don't know when it's coming. I don't know. I could go on. I won't do my whole like bit about baby showers, but I just think they're crazy and someone should put a stop to them because they're really awful. And like, you have to go to it because you're disobligated because you eventually want people to come to your baby shower. So the cycle just like repeats and it's, uh, it's really awful. But, uh, this baby shower seems cool. Barbara's there. Barbara Libeth, <laughs> uh, Ina's assistant, or at least the, the, her assistant at the time. And everyone's just kind of getting seated. And Ina announces that she has to go get the, uh, she has to go get the good, Wow, that is a tongue twister. I'm trying to say she has to go get the gazpacho ready. A lot of G's in there. Um, So Ina's in the kitchen and she's like, time to put feta in the gazpacho. And as she's, and then she goes back and she just like crumbles up. I like how she crumbles it up in like, um, uh, not small pieces, I guess. There's like big chunks of feta. And I feel like it balances itself out well with all like the Greek ingredients. So she's handing, she's like kind of spooning out the gazpacho and she gets word that Sinead, who's the guest of honor, is on her way. And Ina says, let me turn on the train before she gets here. And the lady sort of ooh and ah at the train. And then Sinead shows up and she looks terrified. She has no idea what's happening, but then she kind of gets it. And then they just like cut to uh, Ina saying, okay, who's ready for Sam and the Swaz? And then they're having that. And the <laughs> very last line of the um, of the entire episode is just Ina lifting her glass and she goes, to the baby. And then everyone's like, oh, uh, yeah, sure. Not like to Sinead, but I guess like, it's like kind of appropriate that cheers the baby. It was just really funny because it's just like a glass of wine. It's just like the one thing that uh, Sinead can't have at the current moment. Uh, it made me laugh. <sighs> Well, Ina lifted a glass to the baby, but I say let's lift a glass to all the mothers out there, whether you have kids, fur babies, or maybe you're just a plant mom. I salute you. I wish you all a happy Mother's Day. I hope you all get what you truly want, whether that's time with your kiddos or maybe a day to yourself without any kids in the house. I feel like most of my friends who are moms right now would probably want that. Um... But nonetheless, I hope that you all have a great Mother's Day. And thank you for listening. Uh, If you want to follow the podcast on social media, you can follow it on Instagram and Twitter at goodvanillapod. And you can also send me an email at goodvanillapod at gmail.com. Also, I've made a Facebook group for The Good Vanilla. If you are enjoying the podcast, please be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Also, if you want to know where to get more of me, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Nick Kachanov, and you can find me on my other podcast, The Best Supporting Podcast, every week with Colin Drucker. 
Thanks again for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Happy Mother's Day. And I'll see you next time.